Welcome to Intercut's Best of March, going through all of the best in movies, TV, shorts that people just can't cut away from. As always, I'm your host, Arturo Surita, and joining me, he is returning more times than the Baba Yaga, it's Zachary Shevich. What's up, dude? Not too much, man. Just like John Wick, you can't keep us down, you can't keep us no away. Stairs. I'm thinking we're back. On yeah, weekend must watch easily. or whatever. Look, I it is. <laughs> I told this man, the Baba Yaga's in town at South by. We need to go, but he had not read the chapters, the verses of the Good Book of John Wick. I saw him logging everything this past week, finally dealing with the Wick verse. Zach, mm-hmm. do you regret not showing up to get one of those golden coins? I mean, it would have been nice, man, but we saw Blackberry <sighs> instead, and that movie's still not out. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It was. I'm sure I it would have tele- been a fun time. I should but... have teleported. Uh, I really wanted to be there. But but uh, was it a blast to watch all of the John Wick movies back to back to back to back? Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Uh, I mean, it's you know they're they're obviously incredibly incredible feats of action cinema, and uh, although like I feel like there's varying levels of of fun to be had in the different chapters of it. There's always going to be some choreography that blows your mind and really does deliver on the experience. And, you know, it's been, I was reading through a lot of people's uh, letterbox reviews of of the past few, just in, in my logging of them. And it's interesting to see how much certain people really push up against like the lack of story or not liking the story versus the people who are just like the, fully embracing the the absurdity and the chaos and all the you know incredible feats of action filmmaking in it so it really is in i guess in some ways a test of like what you're going to the movies for yeah but it's hard to think of a lot better of films that do that style of film better if that's the style of film you're looking for 100% 100% agree. We're going to be going through John Wick. We're going to be going through some streaming movies, some shorts, some TV, a bunch of different things that we have here on the weekend must watch. Uh, but first, Zach, I want to cover a little bit of movie stuff that we had in this past weekend. Did you hear mm-hmm. about the best April Fool's joke that happened on Saturday? Dealing I with tried movies? to... I try to steer clear of all April Fool's jokes and, and like do as much of a media blackout as I can. So I think I missed this one. I was almost involved in this one, Zach. There was screenings Uh-oh. to Midsommar that were happening at Alamo oh, Draft Houses no, for the director's cut. And you know, for, you know, we're big fans of Midsommar over here in this household, and we were ready to go uh, support the director's cut with a ten-minute preview of Bo is Afraid. Turns mm. out they done duped the dupers. This thing ended up being an April Fool's prank by Joaquin Phoenix and Mr. Ari Aster himself. You showed up for one miserable experience of Midsommar and got hit with a brand new miserable experience with Bo is Afraid. Uh, it was an April Fool's joke provided <laughs> yeah. by A24 where they paid. If you've never been to an Alamo Draft House, and Zach and I were just <laughs> at some for a whole weekend of festival uh, activities. They give you food, drink, everything. A24 mm-hmm. was paying for everyone's bill. So if you were really offended, like some people who were, who also didn't have tickets to go to the event, uh, you didn't really have to worry about anything because the whole bill was going to be racked up uh, by the company. And also this mysterious WM, MW. I don't know if you've been able to see any of that stuff for Bo is Afraid. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really know what it means, but I'm just like jealous of the people who got to see it. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, it's delivering for me. I regret not going. I wish I was April <sighs> Fooled. But A24, yeah, right? WB, Sony, please keep doing that. I would I would highly appreciate that. Play the old Super Mario Bros. <laughs> movie show up and have the new one. Whatever it is, I'd be excited right? to catch that. Uh, I thought More that was a pretty studios. dope way to roll it out. More studios should prank us with sneak peeks at unreleased movies. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd get punk my I, problem, I've but, been uh, planning to hit up in my anticipation of Bo is Afraid. Uh, the Lincoln Center here in New York is doing a whole series presented by Ari Aster of films that somewhat influenced or inspired the creation of Bo is Afraid. And it's a really interesting lineup, partially just because of how varied they are. Like there's everything from uh, Albert Brooks's Defending Your Life and Jacques Tati's Playtime to The Wolf House, that creepy Chilean horror film from a couple years back. Uh, Big fan of that one. So if, yeah. So, you know, if you are in the New York area or even if you're not and want to just look up some of these films and prepare prepare your own little Ari Aster marathon before you get to see Bo is Afraid, check out the Ari Aster Selects selection from uh, Film at Lincoln is Center. Is it this long or is this including the Q&A? I think it's that long. <laughs> Let me double check, Ooh. but I think it's like legit a three-hour movie. Holy smokes. Because that was one of the jokes yeah. I heard where people were going like, how are you getting swapped out a three-hour hour movie with a, another three-hour movie? <laughs> All right. I, that's cool. Well, they Damn. said it was All the right. director's Definitely. cut. It was the director. Is this the director's cut too? Off the bat, I can't imagine the director's like cut for for Bo. Then, uh, hey, while Dan, we're do you talking the about good old times, oh, sorry, I was just gonna say, uh, do you remember the good old days when it was Disappointment Boulevard? <laughs> I'm I'm kind of digging the Bo is Afraid title. I know you really now, like Disappointment Boulevard, yeah. but I'm leaning into it. Oh, you were uh, speaking of runtimes, do you hear about the latest from our boy Scorsese? I mean, you saw me just celebrate before you even said a heck yeah, bro. Uh, <laughs> Four no, hours and counting, please. New York Film Festival, uh, right? Of course. Day one. I mean, hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. Our, the question, though, are you worried? At, do you get any sort of bladder anxiety at the prospect of sitting down for a four-hour movie, even if it is from Martin Scorsese? I am getting older. <laughs> When that Apple Watch goes up to get up, it's demanding it now. But <laughs> I'd sit there for the four hours, right? See, the thing is, yeah. we love these movies the way we would love a performance, right? If a performer said, let's go till midnight, I'm not stopping that performer. Mm -hmm. So when I see mm -hmm. that these creators are able to give you their whole thing, sure. So what? I'd have to take one bathroom break, but but the work is there. So, you know, I, I always take the whole thing, but... Uh, do you, get, yeah, do you don't feel get a little you antsy both. in your seat sometimes when it's over three hours? <laughs> I'll get you and me do you both feel adult like diapers for the New York Film Festival screening. <laughs> Intercut, brought to you by Depends. <laughs> a different type of keeps over here. But uh, yeah, that was my favorite little one from uh, this past week, dealing uh, with movies that decided to April Fool's you. But there was one movie, as we begin, our March ranking list that April fooled itself. In March. Mm. It was a movie called 65. I told Zach, let's go watch this movie. And instead, we decided to watch another one, which is also going to be lower on the list. <laughs> but look, let me defend this one while also putting it at the bottom of the list. 65 right. is a movie with the directors, Scott Beck and Brian Woods. We got a whole LME on this. Came out and wanted to make this really interesting project, right? What if there was a dinosaur movie, but you didn't know it was a dinosaur movie? And then the studio just spoiled it was a dinosaur movie. This thing could have been pitched as Cloverfield. It's one of those movies where you go into it watching it. Every reveal 
is like what ends up being in the trailer. If if they would have kept this a secret, I think it would have been a much funner movie. It's gotten to the point where the directors have come out and have literally stated, uh, yeah, maybe 40 years from now, someone's going to watch the movie and enjoy it the way it should be. As of now, <laughs> they did it really, really dirty. I don't think you had the chance to catch this one. Uh, Zach, no, not yet. It's not terrible. It was just done... It was it was done a terrible deed with the marketing as another one that's going to be on this list. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a movie called 65. Everyone guessed it's 65 million years yeah. ago. Adam Driver, he's this astronaut, has got to deliver something. It crashes. And now it's just him and this little girl trying to survive in the prehistoric times that is uh, 65 million years ago. And it feels they wanted Tom Cruise for this. They didn't get him. Y- you were saying. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like it could be a Tom Cruise vehicle for sure. I mean, it. Just speaking specifically on Adam Driver, it is interesting to sort of think of his career and his choices in the context of this movie because he's a guy who has worked with a lot of really interesting filmmakers on a lot of really interesting movies, many of which haven't necessarily been box office hits as much as I love Annette or The Last Duel or White Noise. Like, those movies aren't exactly doing doing uh, numbers for those studios who release them. No, sir. And he's been through the franchise ringer as Kylo Ren in Star Wars does not necessarily seem like he's all too eager to to strap on a cape and jump into the MCU or anything like that. So it, do you get why he's in a movie like this? Do you like seeing him in a role like this? Or is it just is it just a case of picking the wrong film here for Adam Driver? Mm, no. I think they were wanting they did if you had Tom Cruise in the horizon and if you know mm-hmm. that the guys from the 65 or from the a quiet place are the types of dudes who like to spawn into IP I think he wanted this to be IP I think he was banking yeah. on this as being the one for them because he took a net because he took white noise I know that those mm-hmm. kind of had a little bit bigger budgets for any movies but like if he took those films that didn't really hit at the box office like last duel didn't hit house of Gucci regardless of you and I liking them I think that's why he took a 65. It's been a minute. I know you said he hasn't donned a cape, but he had a pretty slick cape as Kylo Ren. That's 2019. I think it's been enough years he mm-hmm. had to take something like this. Um, I don't think he wanted to fully be in there. I think you asked yeah, him about well, it, it's, and all the interviews are like, yeah, it's cool. Lasers, dinos. It was It's the a one way of doing opinion. kind of an original movie that could maybe become its own franchise without Thank necessarily you. committing yourself to exactly. Marvel, to DC, to that larger infrastructure. Those are those boys. Yeah, they like making movies yeah. like that. So, uh, you know what? It's not bad. It's another movie out there. And if a 65 pays for more Annette's that I know y'all liked, if it pays for more marriage stories, yeah, I'll take it any day then. 65 in theaters. Wait at home. My recommendation. Another one that you can see right at home, Zach. You are a big fan of the Sandman. So much yeah, so. it's my guy. That this isn't at the bottom of the list. And I'm surprised <laughs> to say that too. I don't remember the first one, so we pulled a double feature. Nice. I can't hate on them. This yeah, is the best version of Adam Sandler going on vacation, bro. He's actually kind of just having a blast. Talk mm-hmm. about it. Murder Mystery 2. What'd you like more, the comedy or the murder or the mystery? <laughs> Um, I mean, it's not exactly like the most involving murder mystery. It's not going to leave you uh, guessing and, and trying to figure it out the way that a Knives Out will. But like it, it's enough of a fun hook 
that I think it's a good way to enter the Sandler Happy Madison verse. And I think maybe also because they're tethered to like some trying to tell this story, they don't go into some of the like absurd places that some of the Happy Madison movies that I don't like as much go. I think like for the most part, there's just a lot of charming sort of like marital back and forth between him and Jennifer Aniston, someone that he has very good chemistry with. A lot of like yes, dumb little bits, just like the the him eating the cheese and stuff that like they just layered it in there and don't really call too much attention to it. There's just enough little funny gags from funny, charming people. I, I found this to be pretty inoffensive and and genuinely a good time like it's not the best movie by any means but if we're talking about like the the types of turn your brain off entertainment that netflix puts out there it's definitely better than like the red notices of the world right i yeah i would argue with that it it doesn't have the budget that those movies do but i'll take that over absolutely no chemistry in those other movies i don't care how much you're paying those stars you can't pay them to like each other by golly they actually get along bro there are riffs between the two of them that i couldn't help to be like you know what we all know this is paying for the next trip but if y'all are having a blast how is this any different than a vlog that the kids are watching Mm -hmm. right i am surprised also with Mm -hmm. the cast we're watching this and it's alina who first got it It was jody turner smith i'm like are you serious Then yep. Mark Strong appears as a detective. He, <laughs> Melanie Laurence is in this movie, bro. Like, hey, what? good actors what? like a good vacation too. <laughs> Yo, when they there's this moment in in, in this movie where they arrive, because uh, this one takes place uh, in what is uh, a wedding and someone gets kidnapped. They go to the wedding yeah. and they have these like bags that they're given. And it comes with like an iPhone. <laughs> it comes with like all these different things. And I'm just imagining being a member of this. Ca- yes. Dude, the Jordans being a member of this cast. And that's what you arrive to is just this Basically. like oh, a whole box set of, of uh, goodie gifts. So yeah. Uh, Murder mystery three before y'all start filming. If you want to make it a podcast killer thing, Sandman, we got you. We're here. Yeah, look, I'm, I've been trying to convince you that we got to do the Adam Sandler bracket. But here's the thing about it, it is like you wanted to ignore the Netflix movies. The Netflix movies are getting better. Murder Mystery is fun. Hubie Halloween is actually kind of funny. And then oh my God. Hustle. Hustle is a Netflix Adam Sandler movie. Hustle, hustle don't count, though. OK, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I see what you're saying. But they're still on like the right side of the bracket, brother. <laughs> They're not beating the uncuts. They're not beating the other ones. But one day, sure. Yeah. Even Blumhouse yeah. guy has two Oscars. So one day, one day, the Netflix Sandler <laughs> movies will will evolve. Who knows? Uh, I'm calling it. Murder Mystery by Knives Out. They're both Netflix properties. Hey. At some point, the Sandman and, and what's his name? They're going to go eat Popeyes together. The dual, so. Murder, the dual trilogy. I mean, I, I, nobody's sp- ever done that before. You've seen him, right? He's sporting the beard, the mustache. He's trying to have his own yeah. like, cool look over here. Don't get it twisted. So we'll see. We'll see. I like him. So far, they've been fun. And that's really all I can ask for when it comes to a Netflix movie. So murder mystery, logging it in. I'm surprised to say I give it the thumbs up to watch at home if hey. you need a decent watch. I don't think it's fantastic. But that's that's a pretty solid rating that I was not expecting it to give. You can see both of them Another win for the Sandman. Moving on to something in theaters. This is a shared experience that we have. Yes, it is coming in at the third place from the bottom. Because there is so many good things that happen in a movie that's so, so, so bad. 
Zach, I am a lover of the Scream franchise. I believe you've seen a couple of them. You respect the early ones for what they've done. Yeah. Um, Why were you I so offended up... <laughs> by Scream 6? I caught up with the the first one like not terribly long ago, maybe a couple years ago. And, and yeah, I, I enjoy it and really see its place among horror history. But it feels like the sequels really are ju- are just trying to like like my uh, draw more sap from the tree and there's less like less and less of it in there um i thought yeah. that this was the worst of all the screen films that i've seen I, it just the one that is the sweatiest in trying to reflexively be about itself and comment on its own situation has the least insight to offer you know, it's some of these movies, what's great about them is they're putting their finger on a thing that movies normally don't name. And here they're just kind of throwing buzzwords like requel at you. And it just didn't really, I don't know, I, I don't find it that that like exciting. And like it, when the first screen film does it, it feels like they shouldn't be doing this. They can't, movies can't do this. And now it's just very played out. Not to mention that this, of all the screen films, feels like the one that play that tries the most to fake you out and then have everything be okay in the end. Just like the amount of kill scenes that do not end in a kill was unforgivable for a horror franchise that is supposed to be about the dead bodies. Like I, I just don't, I struggle to really see a reason to like this one. <laughs> when you can just double down on them, right? Exactly. It's called an homage. <laughs> Yeah, Look, perfect. Now we can't criticize it. Exactly. Don't be a Richie. Isn't it funny that the people who complain the most about these movies end up having the... Or that you can't complain about the movies are the ones who have the Richie profiles? And I know you, you <laughs> said you had seen it for the first time right before we caught this at South By. Um, yeah. I'll start positive. Probably one of my favorite kills I've ever seen in a Scream movie. I hate these boys. Uh, Matt Benignally Open and Tyler Gillett. I think they, they go as a trio of... Uh, I'm blinking on their name. They go by Radio Something. It's not like High Voltage uh, or something like that. Radio Silence. No, nah, it's ra- Radio Silence. Thank you very much. Really cool name. I'm a big fan of Ready or Not. I loved a lot of the homages they had in this movie. They were they got the rights to a bunch of costumes that people were wearing. I think the cast can That's be very cool. fun. Cool. Shout out Jenna Ortega. Always clean. Like I said, there are some sequences in She's this in film scene. and even in five that I thought were fantastic. Why is it so painfully redundant this is a movie Mm. that thinks it's calling out like you said requels it keeps trying to make fetch happen it's a movie that's making fun of franchises not realizing that it's just using that as an excuse to do this stuff again this is a movie that doesn't realize it's the horror version of the fast and furious movies it has gone so beyond stuff that it doesn't realize it is not in on the joke it is the joke but I feel terrible and I feel crazy because nobody else sees that. Everybody else is loving what they have mm-hmm. critiqued. Ghostbusters, I'm being serious here, Ghostbusters Afterlife 4. You guys have belittled the Fast and Furious movies for this. It turns out that like Deadpool, and people have done this for Deadpool, they're not giving that as much leeway as this. If you just address what you're talking about, if we make fun of two guys hosting a podcast act, then we are relieved of the two guys hosting a podcast meme. Like, that's not how it works. And somehow, mm-hmm. like the characters in this movie, this franchise continues to dig themselves in a hole that comes out scot-free. I don't understand that. I'm working on a much longer one. In the meantime, uh, Amanda the Jedi made her video way back when. Um, she, I think she liked this one a little bit more. I was really surprised to hear that. But 
a lot of the stuff she said for five, I agree with her completely. It's one of those where you have to go through the whole franchise to really see uh, what they've done. Because I think it's a matter of a lot of people don't remember the old ones, so they're able to just redo a lot of two. Call it an homage. Call it a day. Wrap it up and keep it going. But I don't know. I, I like you, dude. A lot of it just felt goofy. But shout out Jenna Ortega. Always comes out scot-free. She's been fantastic in everything she's in. And again, there's a lot to like. I understand why people enjoy the movie, but it's got to be at the bottom. Yeah, the, I, I think a lot of the kills do really work, and it is one of the like most bloodthirsty scream movies out there. I know some people were like conflicted about, oh, Ghostface picking up the gun, but that was like an actually tense scene. It's like most of the stuff surrounding those moments the that's kind of bogus that so and easy late. to see through. Yeah. Think yeah that it's one of those movies that stops to tell you what the commentary of the movie is, yeah. and then it thinks it's so novel for letting you know what it's doing. And it's like nobody, no, hey, no offense, boys, but like no one wants to see a horror yeah. movie that's telling you, hey, I got something to tell you. Yeah, I also should have figured when they did their big world premiere in Los Angeles, but for a movie that's set in and marketed on the fact that it's set in New York, it's a Montreal ass looking movie. Just how do you just feel that people don't care too. about that? <sighs> I mean. I feel like it's people who don't live here who probably are saying all that stuff. Like, yeah, sure, it feels like New York to, to somebody who lives in Dallas, but it, <laughs> if you spend some time in the city, like, I don't know. It's also like, I wouldn't mind. There's many movies that have said they're set in New York and are not set in New York. And I, I just watch. Uh, watch a John Wick try to make our subways look like high tech bullet trains, but like. I don't know. It's just it's just when you are when you make it the central focus of your whole marketing campaign, it feels very bogus. I have seen New York, Chicago, everything be used as whatever. So mm -hmm. I see why it's bogus. I just I hate when they change it for the story, for lame little moments that happen in alleyways just because you need a cop out. And at that point, it has nothing to even do with the city. It has to do with just how they they're choosing settings for their setups. Right. We'll see how it goes. I like a lot of the people in the cast, bro, but yeah, we'll see where they take it. Scream 6. A lot of people like it. Should be out in VOD in a couple of weeks, if I'm not mistaken, and then on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, another one that's going to be out very soon. Everyone was hating on this movie. Actually, I'm going to bump it up a bit, bro. You're not even going to hear about it yet. Oh, my goodness. I can't. Last minute edition. We're making an alt, 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 uh, a little alt play right here. Um, before I get to this Audible. one, let's talk about Tetris really quick. Yeah. Tetris was a movie that premiered at South by Southwest. It is now available on Apple TV Plus for everybody to see. I don't think it got a theatrical run. It only played, like so. we said, at places like the Paramount. We were able to go. Uh, if you look over on our Tetris review, we have um, some footage from the Tetris games that we played there. Uh, they gave us a lot of swag and merch. I got my little Tetris hat right here. Really dope hat. Zach has a really dope uh, shirt. Oh, yeah, the Tetris stickers. I got some of the other ones somewhere else. the squeeze else, toy. The squeeze toy was pretty dope. They gave you, like, those yeah. uh, marshmallow Tetris thingies. Uh, your shirt in in uh, the, the back of the shirt that you had, that was pretty yeah, dope. Yeah, the Japanese Tetris, uh, I thought Tetris, that was one yes. of the sickest ones. Um, love the game. This yeah. has to be the most by-the-numbers movie I've ever seen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I had told Zach, because he had missed this one, he had the chance to go to uh, an ABC rap party. Uh, and he 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 was way more filled than we were with this movie. This feels mm -hmm. like the spark notes of an actual like 
story. There, I, and I have another one that I'm going to come up to compare this to. But in a festival where we had stuff like Blackberry that really went all in, not just on its tone, but being able to really cover the characters and do it from a perspective where uh, you felt like you were going on their journey. This felt like a cutscene. This feels like when you're watching like a, a not even a History Channel thing, but almost like a not even a Vox Media thing, like a drunk history where someone's trying to recap you. This is how zany and crazy it was. Um, mm-hmm. And then they throw a it budget in there. There's like titles that come out of nowhere. You saw yeah, it, it after de- the fact on Apple. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, like every moment where somebody ha- hands a manila envelope to another person is like, this is the contract for the license to Tetris on PC. And then the score yeah. like dramatically goes ba-bum. It feels like college humor parody rather than like actual exact docudrama. And it's it's yeah. like I I just feel like it ultimately got the tone wrong. Like there's just there's something very ridiculous and interesting. Like it is very interesting that this game that everybody thinks of as this like minor little diversion got caught up in the, this like Cold War drama almost it's crazy. of like yeah. you know d- competing ideologies and Ru- and and Russian government trying to. Uh, hold the license and stuff like, like it's a very crazy story but i feel like if you don't play into how ridiculous ridiculous it is that we're all taking tetris this seriously like you're you're miscalculating at some point and you know it goes all over the place like there's you know there's animated moments like you're alluding to and there's these car chases and Random. it just all kind of feels like throwing ideas at the wall and not like one movie I don't even think when they were shooting it that the editors knew, that the actors knew that there was going to be certain things in the movie. It's so disjointed. And you had mentioned like a college humor thing. We don't mind if they committed to a tone like that. Take the movie wherever you need to. But it really does start and stop. And it feels like a bad game of Tetris. They got the blacks coming all all over the place. Nothing seems to fit, which you can make work in a Tetris game. But if you (laughs) don't know how to execute it, it's not going to turn out well. I have an interview with uh, uh, Taryn <laughs> equating the addiction of playing Tetris to crack. <laughs> he doesn't even see why people should be that obsessed with it. But, hey, if this is one of many Tetris movies, sadly, it's the one with the name. It's the biggest one that's going to be out there. It's the most by-the-numbers movie, very corporate-like movie, for a movie that's kind of calling out corporations and the creator and the artist. I hate seeing movies like that. That's why I would recommend other ones like uh, Blackberry that we saw in... Uh, South by or this upcoming one pinball the man who saved Hmm. the game before I get to that Tetris leaving the house for it or no what's your overall rating I mean you can't leave the house for it but I I don't think you should if you could yeah would you still recommend it as a stream if you have Apple TV plus it's not the worst movie. I could see starting it and then stopping it. Like, don't organize a, a big, like, Tetris game night around it. But, yeah, uh, like, it, it's totally streamable um, and, and not the definitely not, like, the worst thing we've mm-hmm. seen from Apple TV. Agreed. But someone has made a doc on YouTube about the history of Tetris, and that shouldn't be more exhilarating than the feature right. film. Right. Pinball. The man who saved the game is one I would leave the house for as a matinee, a little junior price. Okay. It was pretty decent. It's not perfect. It's a little rough around the edges. It's a little corny as well. You have the main guy who uh, is playing the dude who fought for this game because pinball, I had no idea, 
was banned yeah. in New York, in Chicago. Like it wasn't allowed. They thought it was a mafia thing. Is LaGuardia mm-hmm. himself, when he was when he was ruling, said, Absolutely not, we're we're taking this away. And one dude played in a younger version in the flashbacks by the one and only Mike Feist. Mike the homie Feist. from West Side Story. Yeah. Coming in with I wanna see if I could pull a good picture here. This thing, he had a co star in this movie. A full and it was on this caterpillar. mustache. On his face, this thing, like, look, the internet wants to censor it. They don't want you to see. It is a, <laughs> a it's a rake, bro. It's a brush. Um, there, there it is right there. <laughs> Full broom. If that Somebody doesn't let you band. know how cartoony the point of this movie is, because you also have the older version of him kind of narrating everything, stopping the movie going, no, 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 that's not how it went. Then right. maybe the movie's not going to be for you. But I went into that knowing it. I went into this already having seen what Tetris tried to do. At least, Zach, there was heart in this movie. It mm. obviously is going to show you what this guy who loves pinball so much did to save the game. Because he's not a guy who works for the industry. He's just a dude who loves the game. You get to see the relationship that he has uh, with his partner, how they work together. I just overall thought it was a pretty uh, fun movie. Very heartfelt. I would recommend it, man. Uh, pinball. Nice. The man who saved the game came out of nowhere and... Glad it did because it showed me what Tetris could have been. Um, so I know yeah, this has feels, a little bit of a theatrical run. It feels from your description that this one at least gets the like the tone a little bit more right for a movie Easily. that's about something silly but in a serious way. It knows what it is. So if you have the chance, I know it may not be able to be caught in theaters, but I would highly recommend at least to rent it for this one. But I thought this one was really nice. cute. Pinball. Next up, Zach. There was people talking about this film not doing well. Is it the end of the industry? Are superhero movies over? Done. No more Kate Flicks after this one. Of the Gods is not that bad. Really? It's not that bad. I am a. a, I like the first one. I don't know. I don't know your opinions on the first one. I thought the first one was. I like the first one. What? Zach, what if I were to tell you this is exactly the same thing in, in, okay. in the best way possible? If you like the first one, this has everything you like from the first one, but doesn't pull a hangover to repeat. It's actually new. You now have the Shazam family who has now turned into these alter egos and you get to see them more. In the last one, they were like in the last 10 minutes. So you have something mm-hmm. completely different going on here. On top of that, I would argue that everybody else delivers in this movie more than Zachary Levi, who plays Shazam in Shazam. He's probably the worst part of the movie right now, in the movie and outside of the movie. <laughs> the dude yeah. needs to stop live streaming. I went into this having heard everybody say this is the end of the superhero industry. This this movie's not making back its money. It was, it was fine. I don't understand how people loved the first one, liked the first one, enjoyed the first one, and now everyone doesn't care for this one. But the thing is, I noticed nobody saw it. So it got stuck in the middle of John Wick and whatever else. People did not get because no one showed up for it. They didn't give this one yeah. the time of day. But I think once this hits HBO, which is reportedly hitting by the end of the week or mid-April, which is so fast, Oy. Oy. I don't think that people are going to hate it. I think people are going to enjoy this when they're back in the comfort of your own home. Surprisingly, I went out to the theaters to go see it. There was still one last Dolby showing, and I'm here to say... The boy Jack Dylan Glazer, I should have never doubted you. I came to learn that he was the first who was cast in the first movie, and everyone mm. chemistry read around him. Mm. He made me do a spit take in the second one, Zach. 
If you can make me do a spit take, I am recommending that if this movie's still out in theaters and you at least like the first one, you don't need to rush okay. out. But if you would have seen the first one in theaters, you still have the chance to see the second one in theaters as well. I'm not saying it was a hit, but technically it was because all the rock stuff has probably been more interesting than everything going on. And we've had this discussion. What is it with WB having more drama behind the scenes and have that be more interesting than the movies that they're making? I I, I, I don't get it, bro. Um, the whole rough. cast is great. Uh, I, I, CGI is just as iffy as the other one, but again... This is just as good as the first one. So if you like the first one, give us a, uh, a shot. Or just wait a couple weeks. It's going to be on HBO. How's Rachel Zegler? I was really curious to see how she's doing in her first like major role post-West Side Story. You know, I loved her voice in West Side Story. She looks great mm-hmm. in West Side Story. Did not care for the acting in West Side Story. <laughs> her and Dylan Glazer were my favorite part of this movie. Okay, hell yeah. You know? Hey, I, I went in with, I went in late to this movie. You know, it's been weeks that it's been out. I, I got to give them their due. So uh, I, I understand the fatigue, but it's not bad. So of the the recent sort of like superhero slump, the Black Adam into Ant Man and Quantumadium and Shazam: Fury of the Gods, this to you is easily the best of those three. Yeah, like what? Like it doesn't even have to be great, but it. What, what you look? What you just mentioned? Like yes, one hundred percent. It's better than so those, it, and it just should, are they should not be should they not be in the same conversation, or or is it just the best of the three? No, no, no. They're they're enwrapped in the same conversation, especially when you're talking about something like Black Adam and this one and all the behind the scenes. That's a whole other video. Working on an LME for that. How embarrassing, right? The whole family has to eat. Why are you guys like taking from it makes no sense to me, but that's a whole behind the scenes that you could hear. Zachary Levi did an entire live stream on that. Who's to blame? Is it Black Adam? Is it The Rock? Is it these guys? I don't know. It's a mess. None of them are getting it. But then at the same time, leave it to DC to have gotten rid of the entire Justice League. How many years ago? And I just saw a cameo in this movie from someone who doesn't have a job and I'm waiting for the new Batman cameo. Right. So who knows what's happening, yeah. dude? I don't know. Uh, in the meantime, they're losing a lot of money. But you know what? They made the movie they were supposed to make. So, um, yeah. yeah, check it out. I liked Rachel Zegler. The whole cast is funny. A- Adam Brody. Yo, Adam Brody gets down Jack Dylan Glazer perfectly. Because this guy doesn't. I don't know who he's doing, but he's not Billy. Like, when, when <laughs> he becomes Shazam, yeah. he's doing something else. He's playing like Everybody a 12 else actually plays like. Yeah. Bro, did you see that? There was something going around that the actors were liking the subs that they were making to him saying, like, he doesn't even play Billy. He plays, like, some other 12-year-old, and the actors were liking it. I, I don't know how true that is or what they deleted, but, hey. That's he calls funny. it the sh- uh, Shafamily? Shazamly? I don't know what the heck he calls his family. Um, he has a name for it. It's really hard cringy, to make dude. that happen. Yeah. A lot of these. Yeah. <laughs> but so you're not even living miss- by it, bro. Does you're going to miss Zachary Levi's Shazam. You're, you're I'm starting... Miss... Your, should you start the petition for Shazam 3 right now? I'm starting the petition for the spinoff with the boy Jack Dylan Glazer because that's who needs it. <laughs> I would have taken a whole movie right. with just him. He's the best. Cool. He's great. Jack Dylan Glazer, five stars. Shazam? I'm going to log it in at... Ah, 3.25, bro, but they don't let me give that, so I'm going to give it a three and a half. <laughs> There you I go. liked it. On a rewatch, I might lean in more over there, but it was a little rough sometimes. But yeah, Shazam, yeah. I was surprised with it, Zach. When it comes out on HBO, cool. give it a watch if you like the first one. 
I did a double feature with this one, though, with another one that I know you, you haven't had the chance to, to catch, but I think you will enjoy it. A Good Person. Uh, another feature film directed by Zach Braff, who you may know a little bit more because I've never gone back to see Garden State. Never. Really? I, I, oh, I've man. never seen this movie. Uh, and I hear mixed things. <laughs> I hear yeah, people wait, say so this changed their life. Others think it's the cringiest it's thing. It's interesting. You tell me. It's interesting because, like, I feel like that movie was really special to a lot of young people when it came out. And a lot of those young people have grown to sort of, like, resent that version of themselves. And, I like, it's a very kind of, like, mm. earnestly emotional movie about not feeling comfortable as yourself. So, like, there's stuff to relate to, and I think there's a lot of, like, actually genuinely sweet moments, but there there's some stuff that that's a little bit, like, you know, Zoe Deschanel-era quirky going on. I don't know. I still have a very warm place in my heart for, for Garden State. I think oh. it's a very sweet Thumbs up film. for you. Okay. Yeah. I unfortunately think it's the only good thing that Zach Braff has ever directed, potentially until really? a good person. See, it's crazy that I, I can't believe he did Going in Style that I have seen. What a random choice for him. What a random choice, but hey, I'd do it too if it ends up getting you freaking Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Freeman for what would be a good role. Mm -hmm. A good person makes me think that he's a better director than he is an actor, Zach. I thought this movie was pretty good. I oh, damn. really liked it. The four star uh, and the heart. They were dating at this point, Florence Pugh, Zach Braff. He's got a personal story of what this means to him and how, you know, he, he started writing this, especially during the pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. And Florence Pugh plays someone who is in a relationship. An incident happens that causes everything to spiral out of control. There are some substance abuse issues. And the idea is, is can she remain with the family after the incident? And uh, her mom's played by Molly Shannon, who does a freaking fantastic job just trying to make sure that her daughter's okay while also maybe getting addicted to certain pills that she shouldn't be after the incident morgan freeman plays the father of the family she was involved with and he just like he's a good actor bro i don't know if you know this but like he could just stare out in a scene and really deliver florence Pugh, she's kind of decent dude she could just stare out in a scene and you know that's a whole character in the mm -hmm. back of her mind there they do a fantastic job in this movie. It is heartfelt. It is funny at times when it needs to be. You'll get hit with some really good supporting characters like Zoe Lister-Jones doing what Zoe Lister-Jones needs to do. Not some craft stuff. She does a fantastic job here as a supporting character who's who's uh, her sponsor. Um, there are other moments where she's coming across uh, some old acquaintances. Let's see if I could uh, have them here. I don't even have them on the... We had one of the brothers, uh, oh, right here, Alex Wolf, to see two Ari Aster mm. alums come together for a scene. <laughs> Fantastic, dude. Just overall, um, it, it, it had us laughing. It had us tearing up. I, I really liked his direction for, with this. I really liked the, the cast, the performances, uh, all around a really good movie. If you have the chance to catch this in a theater, I would recommend it. Uh, but definitely catch it once it comes out home because i'm sure that they, it, it will be a wider release in that sense but it is long hour or 129 mm. minutes um but it's worth mm. it for the story that it tells and she really did cut her hair mm. great movie a good person do you, do you like it more as as a drama do you feel like it was equally comedic or it feels a little equally. bit more drama leaning no bro no? It's e that's good. why that's why i'm so impressed with his directing 
right? We just talked about Tetris and how that that just yeah. did not. The blocks were all over the place. I no, he handled it perfectly. It him making you laugh after he makes you cry, makes you laugh harder, makes you cry harder after you laugh. Like it's just a perfect sync, dude. It's really good. It's really good. Uh, I hope you I'm get happy for the boy because uh, so am I, dude. And what what a great duo between those two, Morgan Freeman and uh, uh, Florence Pugh. She's she's fantastic. Um, uh, one little final Apparently thing: he's is, been directing uh, some uh, shrinking episodes recently too. He said he did the finale, which I'm missing yet. So I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that as well. But uh, overall, fantastic film. Florence Pugh is great in it. Catch it when you can. Uh, the next one that we have up here is a documentary. I have a stand-up special, but I'll put it on my uh, picks for the week. There is a quick little shout-out here to a Chicago doc from a couple years ago about these two artists who live together in a home. I think you'll be really intrigued with this because we've had some similar ones over at Sundance. The whole documentary is going through their relationship through the items that they've collected in their Chicago home. Oh, I think you were telling me about this one. Yeah. Bro, when this hits, I'm just going to leave it. You're like, you know when you're watching a doc where you're like, yes, this is going to wreck me in an hour and 11 minutes, isn't it? Set I the countdown that, timer. That doc. I'll leave it there. Um, dude, right. I, this popped up. I looked at it. I was like, 2020? This is barely getting a release? I looked it up really quick. Oh, it hit me exactly what this doc was. So yeah. I'm sure there's an old intercut where I had mentioned this as probably a best doc. It is now out on VOD. I, awesome. My bad. I said VOD. It's not appearing here. It's out on the Criterion channel. Love to see it there. Uh, so I highly recommend this one. It's really short. It's Damn, it's going to break your heart. You're also just going to get very invested with them. And it's just beautifully documented. So late, so soon. Playing nice. on Criterion. Over on Hulu, as we're getting into the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, top eight. I don't think Zach mm. has this in the top ten, he was telling me. But I kind of really. liked it. Hulu has a new movie called The Boston Strangler as a part of their, what is it, like the entire Fox lineup that would have been going into theaters at some point. Yeah. Straight to streaming. <laughs> Look, I'd say this would have been worth a nice little matinee movie because I think it goes hand in hand with something like She Said. I think She Said is better, but I didn't think this was that bad. It's about the Boston mm-hmm. Strangler and the pursuit between two female journalists who are trying to get him. I like seeing that like piece by piece journalism. I like the way that it was shot. It's very misty. It, it, like, it puts mm-hmm. you really into that period setting. I thought the production design was fantastic. But you agree it should have gone to streaming. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't as into into the story it was trying to tell. I mean, it's it, even that look that you mentioned, which I agree, it does look good, but it's very much like, do you see you see David Fincher's Zodiac? Let, let's do that. Let's try and get that look. Into hey, I this like one. it, but you're right. And like, <laughs> I like it, but you're right. Like, and sorry, like you're not David Fincher. You know, they they even have a scene where she, where Kira Knightley is like brought into a basement and begins to suspect that she's in the basement and gets the hell out of there exactly like in Zodiac. This whole film just felt like Diet Zodiac to me, and I couldn't I couldn't shake that thought for long enough to really get into it. I like it. I don't know. I, I think it's a good junior. <laughs> yeah. But I, I agree I, with you. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking at I mean, it that and you like, feel it's redundant. It, it's in that mold. So, like, if you're looking for that style of film, like, I don't think it's necessarily, like, a bad version of it. It's just one that feels indebted to 
the films that came before it in that regard. And, and I also think that she said is like a good comparison here because they do really hit the like female in a male dominated world stuff. But, but in similar to, she said, they kind of don't make it subtext. They make it text. And like my, my mileage for films that like speak the problem out loud can, can vary. So I, I don't know. I, True. I, I grew a little tired of it. I don't think it's the worst thing, but yeah, it wasn't for me. When it's a journalism movie, I give it a little bit more, but I agree with what you're saying when movies right. decide to, to not have the text like that. But Carrie Coon, bro, I have to. She's great in it. She's fantastic. Yeah. Always knocks it out of the park. Can't One of my favorite well. actresses working today, so you can't go wrong with that. But uh, overall, mm-hmm. I would say it's worth leaving for a matinee for you. Should people still stream it on Hulu? Uh, I'd, I'd skip it personally. Skip it. Oh, dang. Yeah. All right. The first split we got for the day for sure on Boston Strangler. It is over on Hulu. So if you're curious, give it a watch. Let us know if you prefer that one mm-hmm. or she said. Uh, the next one, you got the chance to catch it. I covered it a little bit in Chicago. So tell me what you felt about The Lost King. Yeah, this is an interesting movie. Um, it premiered at TIFF last year and was kind of the movie that I kept forgetting was at TIFF because it's not a very like remarkable, flashy, splashy kind of film. It's not like a very distinctive looking movie or got the most unique or like different story or approach to it. It's another collaboration between the director, Stephen Frears, and the writers, uh, Steve Coogan and Jeff Pope. Uh, Stephen Frears previously directed a lot of very kind of like Staten dramas. He's the guy who directed The Queen. He directed Philomena, his previous uh, collaboration with Steve Coogan. Just very kind of dramas that feel a little bit like buttoned up, right? Like there's nobody who is like going through a mental breakdown and nobody who's like gonna be out on the street if they don't figure it out. I don't know. It's, It's mostly people like nice people figuring stuff out together. And like, that's, there's nothing wrong with being a nice movie about people figuring stuff out. It's just like, not the thing that I think of when I watch 40 films in a week at, at something like TIFF. So unfortunately, like a very competent retelling of like recent history falls through the cracks. And I feel like this is one of those movies that people are going to see and really enjoy because it's a very solidly constructed film. And there's lots of like very good jokes from a very good joke writer and Stephen Coogan in it. It's just not necessarily like a very splashy movie. I feel you. I mean, when I saw it, when we saw it in Chicago, it was like our in-between movie. Cause we just had to be there. <laughs> we had yeah. already paid for the party. Exactly. <laughs> so I feel you. Yeah. It does feel in the nicest way, the movie of the week and, and in the nicest way, not as like a derogatory. Yeah. It just it feels like, yeah, this is a report that people saw at one point and it's big for them. I see people in the in the chat talking about this. I don't remember this. But yeah, <laughs> spoiler alert about what happens in this movie. Uh, it's all about a woman who had does her research and kind of is almost talking to a version of an old king who she believes his bones are in the parking lot of yeah. this of this place and kind of needs the funding to get him out. And some people believe her, don't believe her. Some people want to take credit when it starts to kind of be true. I was in it uh, mainly just because it was Sally Hawkins. I think Sally Hawkins is adorable. Yeah. And you had mentioned the previous movie Fantastic Stephen has actress. done. Like Philomena. Philomena is, is good. This felt like the more yeah. adorable, cuter, more embracing movie than Philomena. Because um, Philomena yeah, almost, that to me, felt like, like Oscar bait. 
Yeah, yes. Philomena is yeah. more trauma related too, and this is like a lot sunnier. Like it, it's it's ultimate. Like yes, it is this woman who is like There's at her wit's in. end trying to convince people that history isn't as they remembered it. But like the stakes aren't life or death. They're like. Is her life's work gonna matter or not? Right, yeah. like it's there's something charming to that too. I, I think the right? way yeah. in which she's able to convince people it's it's like a it, it's a heartwarming movie that's also based on a true story, which is kind of cool. I I think mm-hmm. it's a worthwhile watch. I would leave the house for for this one. Maybe if you like mm-hmm. want to go with like your mom or your dad, it's a good parent movie, right? That is, that's a great parent movie. Uh, for me, I kept saying, and I know it's not on it, it's like the perfect Apple TV Plus movie. Yeah. Uh, if it gets picked up by there, I would love to see it there. But, hey, it's it's charming for what it is. It's pretty short. It doesn't top the two hours. The Lost King, little adorable movie. Sally Hawkins is always great. Check that one out if you're interested. Uh, a Sundance pick from two years ago. It is now out on VOD. Palm Trees and Power Lines, a movie I consider so effective, it's very difficult to recommend. Mm. Zach, why are you recommending it? You know, I wasn't necessarily in the camp of recommending it for the for most of its runtime uh, because there, there are other movies that touch on a similar subject of what it's like being in a... Uh, in a relationship with an age gap, particularly like a predatory one, because uh, she is a teenager dating this guy in his what is his late twenties, early thirties? I, f- I forget. Uh, it's been yo, yo, my man in my thirties, bro. One hundred thirties, thirties. Five years into a yeah. mortgage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so like a predatory relationship, and I, I think it does a good job of depicting it in an authentic, albeit unremarkable, necessarily way. And then you get like further on and that third act takes some really brave turns, some some kind of uncomfortable moments that I feel like there are going to be people in the audience who get very uh, who feel like a very visceral negative reaction to choices that are made. But they are choices that feel true and voice choices that are honest in a way that we often don't get from films that try to leave you with a happy ending. And yes. I'm not trying to forecast where this movie's going. I'm just saying that, like, I think that I think that there's some real insight to be gleaned from the portrayal mm-hmm. of of these uh, of this teenager. Couldn't agree more. We had Starling Girl from this year that's very similar in that vein from Sundance. Yeah, there's been a couple of ones where, as X says, towards the end they try to like really wrap it up in a nice bow. Uh, it's so uncomfortable, and I recommend it as well for that exact reason. This is not a movie that's trying to give you a fairy tale it's trying to give you the truth and it executes it flawlessly it's meant to make you uncomfortable that's one of the reasons why i like the comedy bodies 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 and people get really Mm. annoyed with the characters there it's because they're playing them so true people want a different type of movie with this no it's going to play it as close to the heart and i agree with you the way that this one wraps up and just the whole consistent tone that they have through it it's scary If you push back on it, you're not pushing back on the movie. You're pushing back on something that's really happening. And this is the epitome of of, uh, uh, of a storyline like this. And I honestly wonder wonder if my struggle with the first half or so of it was anticipating it going into a less interesting place than it ended up. So maybe if I did sit down with the rewatch, I would, I would glean more from what came before it, but that ending really, really nails it. And, and it stuck with me, even though I didn't, 
not much else from the film other than the performances has stuck with me that way. That ending really, really stood out. I'm going to throw in the writing because, as you had mentioned, a lot of people go into a movie and they're not critiquing the film. They're critiquing how they feel about actions. Yes. So they'll think that something is bad writing, but it's not bad writing. You just don't realize that that dumb decision that that person made is because they're a kid and and they're making these decisions all the time. And yeah, yeah, it's it's not going to be a comfortable watch, but... It, it yeah. delivers. It's so palm not, not one for the people who base their letterbox reviews on like, does the movie hit certain criteria, right? Like it's, are, are they morally okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're now reviewing the characters. We're reviewing the project. So uh, exactly. if you're able to catch this one, this is one where it's like, we give it a high rating, but this is why I always say, don't leave the theater. Don't go out for this one. This is one where you got to like, it's going to impact you. Let it impact you at home because it gets very yeah. uncomfortable. We all saw it together in a screening room for this year. And we were all just like, yo, <laughs> crack a window, do something. This is Ugh. so awkward. Uh, but it, it it does a really good job breaking it down. Palm trees yep. and power lines. I don't know how we're taking the biggest pivot I've seen, but there is another <laughs> movie from a director who once made a film about a rubber tire. That killed people. Smoking Causes <laughs> Coughing is the newest film from Quentin Depew, if I'm saying that correctly. Yes. Who has made... Let, let's let's do this, Zach. Um, Deerskin. If I remember correctly, the jacket talked to him? Yeah, it was a uh, jacket that convinced him to murder people, I believe. Right, right, right. Jacket convinced him to murder people. Mandibles. That's where the two Bill and Ted doofuses found a pet fly that's the size yeah, of a dog. Yeah, the giant fly. trunk. Yep. And Adele plays a uh, woman who speaks like this the whole time. That's crazy. That's crazy. Do you remember Keep an Eye Out? Where I didn't a guy's see interrogating that one. another. Oh, you got to see that one, bro. I know. All takes place in one room, and the guy interrogating the other guy ends up being the guy interrogating the other guy. I don't even remember what happened. We now have entered this Power Rangers like. <laughs> I don't even know what to call this, bro. Avengers. They're the Tobacco Force, all named after, like, Methicillioma. They're all named after, like, weird, I don't know, anti-tobacco slogan things that come yeah. together to fight these, again, almost uh, Power Ranger-like villains um, in the name of stopping people from smoking, because, you know, smoking causes coughing. <laughs> they then also stop the movie to get, like, new missions, but then at the same time are telling stories to each other by the campfire. Yeah. Uh, and then the movie ends. Zach, where do you rank this <laughs> Um, five stars. I loved it. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not going that high, but look, I love Quentin Depew's absurd sense of humor. Like nobody is doing crazier premises for, for his comedies than Quentin Depew right now. And he loves like these weird characters, these kind of like difficult sometimes people, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, there's just such such a like silliness to everything he does. Like you mentioned, the the this is a film about like the Tobacco Force, which are a Power Rangers looking like group that fights crime in the name of anti smoking, and and, and it looks like, and, and it looks like, but like, <laughs> so it's a chance for him to sort of like parody like spy shows and superhero movies. But as you mentioned, yeah. there are all these sort of like tangents because it's kind of also an anthology film where they sit around the campfire and tell each other stories, yeah. <laughs> um, which grants him the chance to just throw in these like very absurd short films into the middle of the film. <laughs> but 
<laughs> I don't know. Um, it, it's like the kind of movie where a, a woman is in a very serious romance with a puppet weasel that's constantly spewing green no, yeah, ooze from its mouth. And if like well, you, that doesn't triangle. sound... <laughs> And if it doesn't sound like that sounds fun and silly to you, like there's going to be a million jokes that annoy you in this film. I thought sure. all and, and short. all a million of those jokes were funny here. This is to me. I actually think this might be Quentin Dupuis' funniest film. Wow, not his I best, still but have... his funniest. Okay, right off the bat, I I think I still have to give it to Mandibles. I don't think he's made me laugh as hard as he's Mandibles had Mandibles. Is so good, consistently, especially because even in this one, the one where uh, Adele takes over the the her little storyline, I thought that one had some of the funniest moments <laughs> with the woman yes. who gets a helmet. On her. I I'm just gonna <laughs> leave it at that. I, I also love just how these... down to play Adele Xarchopoulos is with Quentin Dupieux. She is so me... funny in his movies. We, yeah. We got to pay our respects here, bro. Where is she? Where she appears over here? Like, for a side character to go that hard makes no sense. You know, out of the two in Blue is the Warmest Color, you know, Leo went out. She's in the 007 movies. But the route that Adele has taken has just been fire, bro. I know it's not these yeah. big movies, but we loved her in Passages. Yeah. She was great in Mandibles. And she I've heard she's really great in The Five Devils, which has uh, really? recently been released on, or coming to Shudder in May, maybe. Ooh, okay. Gonna gonna keep an eye out for this one. Looks like it's getting pretty good reviews. All right, dope. Yeah. She kills her in everything she's in, so she's always a highlight. So uh, if you <laughs> if you have not tried a Quentin Dupuis film, this one is very short. It's eighty minutes, and it will definitely give you the the greatest hits of everything that he's done. Okay. Uh, if not, go back and watch some of his other ones. I would recommend Mandibles. To me, this is his also, crazy version of Bill and Ted. I, I really like you know? Deerskin. That's another very weird one. Deers- but if you're looking for something with like a little bit of a horror tinge to it too, Jean Dujardin is very good in it. Uh, Adele Hanel from Portrait of a Lady on Fire also shows up in that one. I know he was in The Artist. Deerskin's the best performance this man has ever done in his life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the one point oh. where he grabs the, the jacket... And he's like not feeling it for a little bit, and then he puts it on, and then he just gives himself a look about like, damn, I'm actually kind of good in it. I was like, yo, you're killing this, bro. You are killing this. Uh, Don't ever do drama again. You kill it in comedy. Uh, yeah. He was fantastic in that. So I don't know. Quentin is that comedy director at the moment. If you want to do something crazy and quirky, you got to go with him. And this one was in English. I want to see him do more English stuff. I, I don't want him to stay completely away from French movies. But I think the more English stuff that he does, I think the wider of an yeah. audience he's going to have. And uh, I don't know, he deserves it. This man makes yeah, like I'm two surprised movies a year, he doesn't. He? Yeah, he's pretty consistent. He, he churns them out. It's like every nine months or something. Crazy. I'm a little surprised he hasn't gotten a bigger chance in English because his movies are so much fun. Yeah. I Yeah, I agree. So if you haven't tried them... <laughs> Take a little sample of Quentin Depew with one of his uh, yeah. recent features. Definitely check out Adele's movies as well, as well because she's been doing a fantastic job. A little quick mention for this next one over here. I don't even have this linked right here, but it is a movie that we have a much bigger review, so we'll keep it brief. I recommend going out to the theater, surprisingly so, for Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I didn't think we would we would think that. Zach didn't get to go to the South by premiere, and we were like, are you really going to miss much? None of us were looking forward to this movie. You have now caught it. What do you think? I'm I'm a little more lukewarm than you and Amanda were coming off that premiere. I still think it's a pretty fun time. 
like it's definitely a, a good time at the movie theater and worth going to. I I just like didn't I didn't think the jokes hit as much as I wanted them to. I end up th- not ended as much up as Game Night for that, sure. Yeah, definitely not as funny as Game Night. I ended up thinking the funniest bit in the movie was that whole uh, bit where they asked the corpses questions, which they had in the featured in the marketing already. So it's like Spoiled I'd already in seen the trailer, bro. Yeah, yeah. I'd already seen the thing that I thought was funniest in the entire film. I don't know. I I was a little. I wanted it to be a little bit more leaning on the comedy, whereas it was very firmly really? like an adventure movie. Uh, maybe maybe adventure I was thinking comedy. it would be. I, I I was thinking it'd be maybe maybe a little bit more joke forward. Like it's even less joke really? forward than like their Spider Man scripts. I feel like. I think it's as equal. I, I I've heard people mm-hmm. think that it's too comedic. They wanted it to be more action packed. Really? They're still scared of the Jeremy Irons one because <laughs> that one went way too serious. Uh, yeah. The part I liked about it is it feels like people who are playing a game. It feels like a part of like you know I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, but I understand it's like yeah. a mafia type game. You are acting in it, and I, mm-hmm. I I thought they delivered in that perfectly. I think everyone's likable in the movie. You didn't like the big little cameo <laughs> that I, killed I me, bro. Thought that- I thought it was funny. It was so random. Like, it also, he it's... didn't look like, like, he's got kind of like a very mustache heavy five o'clock shadow going on. So I, it's I wasn't so sure. Funny. <laughs> right? It took, it... it took me the third angle of him to realize it, but I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. I thought the action delivered. I thought, uh, uh, Rajay, <laughs> I understand why people like that dude. We have a yeah. whole longer review of the Man of the was... Jedi for South by. He was my standout. I thought he was extremely good in it. He completely understood what the tone of the movie was. Um, The other thing that I wanted to ask you, because I was thinking about it, is this now Chris Pine's best role? Because I like Chris Pine a lot as an actor, but he's kind of struggled for finding like the right project. And yeah, like they, he was in that star Trek uh, trilogy for, he was, he was captain Kirk for a bit, but I feel like those movies have been a little bit memory hold. I yeah, I cannot argue with you there. I'm not arguing for Steve Trevor. <laughs> There's got to be some tiny thing that I like. Uh, look, I can't we're answer that. I'm sure. There's got to be something or some cameo. Because I really he's like made. his performance in Into the Woods, but I also don't very, like Into the Woods very much. Yo, I feel bad for. Chris. I love Chris Pine. There's no disrespect to Chris Pine. Yeah, he's kind of like the feature in his movies that he leads a little bit. I heard he's directed. He has got a movie on yeah. the horizon. Yeah. I think it's this. <laughs> it's basically he like has not sold it. Chinatown, but starring him as a so pool you heard, boy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the way he pitches it, I like his excitement, but I also like like what the premise is about. He wrote, directed it, got Danny DeVito in it. He said he wants to sell it to A24. I don't know. Maybe he's got a second leg in life over here. Cause I think he he yeah. has no problem getting these roles, but you're right. Are we remembering them? Because he almost feels like the st- like he wants to be Harrison Ford, and he's taking the Harrison Ford roles, but we're not remembering him like we do Harrison Ford. Yeah. But he's doing I wonder, everything. Right. I wonder if he's gonna be on a similar trajectory to like it, all very different actors, but like a Brad Pitt, Ooh, where when Brad started to show a little bit of age, wasn't like the extremely handsome leading man. He got to take on some more interesting, memorable roles. <sighs> But you still remembered everything prior to that for Brad Pitt. Yeah. That's why I feel yeah. bad for Chris. I, he also gets lost with the Chris's. Um, personally, the Chris's, I yeah. love The Finest Hours. I didn't pull it up right now, but I'm a big fan of The Finest Hours. And I think your answer is right water, here very out good. the chat. 
It's yeah. it's off the chat. Devesh is right. It's hell or high water. Cleared, in my opinion. Unless there's something else. Yeah, but. although that's yeah. not like a movie that is extremely well-known. Like, you and I really liked it, but it's certainly oh, not going to Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, you, the... okay. Yeah. Well, it best performance here in terms of popularity, yeah, I guess just Star Trek. Star Trek? I feel like people just know Chris Pine. So yeah. he's just playing yeah, that, Chris Pine. That's fair, too. He's he's a very recognized... I mean, it's probably like getting spit on by Harry Styles, right? His best role to date. Uh, yeah. uh, what's his name, too? He's about to be Mario. It's almost like him, too. We don't know Chris him Pratt. from any... He's he's just... There's an issue with the Chris's. There's an there's an epidemic. Pandemic. Whatever the, the word is, yeah. I feel bad for them. They can't break out... They're, they can't break out of the mold. You also yeah. cannot name me a Chris Pratt role that isn't just the Chris Pratt role. The Chris Pine role. Honestly, yeah. the Chris Evans role. They're all kind of the same, in my opinion. So... Yeah. Hey, you know the yeah. it's the minorities in uh, in Hollywood. The Chris is poor. I hope I hope they're able to survive. <laughs> hope, um, hopefully, one of them catches yeah. a lucky break one of these days. Uh, to wrap it up, Dungeons and Dragons sequel, yeah or nay? Yeah, sure. Um, I won't I won't <laughs> ever watch this movie again, but it's probably worth going to the theater. Sounds great. Uh, our top three movies, and we've already mentioned two of them. We've technically mentioned all three. Rye Lane is now out on Hulu. We caught this at South by. They yes. came out buzzing from it. Zach, have you rewatched it? And does it hit the same way it did at the premiere? Absolutely, it does. It's delightful from beginning to end. It's a breeze, less than 90 minutes long. And it's also just got this like great vibe to it this great sound to it the the soundtrack is excellent the way it's shot uh, i think you mentioned that in your research she was comparing the use of the fisheye lens to the feeling of being on a carousel like it's a carousel of london and i totally also, totally caught that on the rewatch also she said no fisheye she said it's anamorphic so inerka has a correction over here she came out she said no 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 it ain't no fish. i don't want to be that person but she got this wide anamorphic lens and I was like, Amazing. all right, I'm sorry to her. Dude, she is so badass when she's talking about the film. It's exactly how you want to hear a director talk about their movie, just oozing with excitement and joy. I I got it queued up to rewatch on my TV. I'm finishing up my, like, I was looking over the South By list that I had for my rankings, and Alina kept arguing for it to go up and up and up. And I'm like, how much more up can it go? <laughs> Look. I have not seen a movie come in, be accessible to everybody, and it just hit, bro. Everyone's mm -hmm. loving this movie. It is a blast. At 82 minutes, I have not seen someone not recommend this movie. That's the thing. Except is like, David a lot of times, a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times you see movies that get like the four star and three and a half star and four and a half star reactions, and then there'll be a smattering of like two stars and one and a half stars thrown in there. Just about every single person I've seen on Letterboxd is going positive on it. Like the worst I've seen is a, is a two and a half and screw that guy. He's a curmudgeon. A, this is a movie that is like very hard to, to have like an, an angry bone about because it's just so charming sure. and delightful and, and full of fun gags. It keeps moving. It's colorful. It's well, like it's, is it the best shot comedy of the last couple of years? It might be. I mean, the fact that we're still talking about the lenses being used, I think yeah. so. Yeah, it's raw. It's fantastic. Um, 
It was in our top of South by in our South by Intercut or Sun sorry Sundance or Sundance. Would have won South yes. by. So would have won South by as well if I was playing it. Um, <laughs> it was uh, top tier for direction, for performances, for supporting performances. All of that delivers on every front. I think you would even have it higher than the top three that we're mentioning here. Rylan gets a full recommendation, two thumbs up. And you know what? If it was in theaters, you would have gone out to theaters to probably see it again. But Hey, Absolutely. It's, in, it, it's on Hulu. Like we said, these Fox movies, Searchlight, they go straight there. But at least everyone has access to it. It's one of the best of the year. And I'm sure if they continue campaigns, there will be screenings in theaters. And let's give a quick shout out. There is a very funny post credit scene, but I think Hulu might even cut away before you get to see it. So make sure you get there because it is so hysterical. I, I missed it at Sundance because they ushered us out of the theater. I told you, I was like, bro, there's a there's an after credit scene. I remember because we, we always stay all the way towards the end. And I was like, oh, yeah. damn, they better not cut this. Okay. I hate that too. Succession did that to me where it, it cut out to the next thing. And I was like, no, nah, I want to hear the after the episode. Why you record the after the episode and then not right. let me see? The- yeah. So interesting. After credit scene. All right. Uh, John Wick 4. We talked about Let's it up it. at the top. It delivers, bro. I I still have number one at the top, but I I don't hate anyone who's loving this movie. My rating for this is that this is the first movie to feel like The Raid 2 since The Raid 2. A movie that overinflates its runtime, but does not give up on the action, does not give up on the story. If you thought 3 was balls to the wall, I've heard people comparisons to um, Mad Max Fury Road. That's 3. That's him running, 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 no gas, mm-hmm. no brakes, just gas, full out, but very little story. This finally has combined both a fantastic lore of characters that are coming out of nowhere, these relationships that have expanded, this universe of the Wickverse that has all these ins and outs of this hierarchy. And then the action just doesn't stop. I don't know how, in the fourth movie, you deliver the staircase scene, the -the over-the-head shot, and a knife battle that ended up becoming... Like, I have to rearrange my... I know the order of the movies, but I don't know the orders of the stunt scenes in in these films. Mm. Because, like, Mm. two is my least favorite of the movies, yet it has my favorite fight scene uh, in a film between Common doing the little pew-pew-pew-pew. Nothing's going to beat that for me because it's just the funniest thing. I don't know how they keep delivering. You're fresh out of all the movies as well, just as I have. How do you rank them? How do you feel? Are you looking forward to a fifth or the spinoff ballerina? (sighs) I so I would probably go with one, three, four, two if if I'm gonna rank them from best to, to worst. So I got Fair. chapter four in third place. And that's not to to knock it at all because if we're just going on like a pure action impressive standpoint, I, I might have this one in first. Three or four are are the ones battling for it because they really feel like they've upped their game. I feel like a lot of the a lot of the filmmaking in this one really did impress me and like that's something that i've re- been really appreciating in revisiting the john wick franchise is like yeah you can have an action forward blockbuster film that actually pays attention to shot composition and assembly yes, and pacing and lighting yes, and sound and all the things that make up a film other than like a recognizable character and a ce- celebrity playing them i don't know it i there's a lot to really appreciate about how these films do what they do. I was also really struck with the way that while these films are not comedies, like they, they are not written to be comedies. They're very funny. And the action choreography 
it is very Looney Tunes and a lot of the places. It's a dance. But but it's very it it just it it gets into these kind of like absurd back and forths. Like my favorite thing they'll do is, is they have these <laughs> they've done them in a couple films where there'll be two guys on either side of John Wick and they won't go down right away. So he'll have to deal with one for five seconds, turn around and deal with the other one for five seconds, turn back around to deal with the first guy. And it, it's it's re- literally like him bouncing off of walls yes. at certain points. Uh, was there a particular set piece that stood out to you? Because there are so many good ones, as you mentioned. I think they ca- they said there were 14 action set pieces in this film. Any, any one that stood above the rest? When you're two hours into a movie and they hit you with this overhead shot where he's holding the a shotgun shot. that, that's called Dragon's Breath or something like that because it shoots out <laughs> fire as it burns your enemies as you beat them to a pulp. Yeah, I'm thinking it's that one. <laughs> to, to invigorate you that late in the movie, dude. Oh, mm-hmm. it was. And I, I saw this in Dolby. It hit so hard, dude. The opening shot to this is a fist pounding. Bro, it was so loud. I thought I was watching it in 40X. The whole seat was rumbling. It delivered on all aspects. That one to me was the best one. And like I had mentioned, the stair one. I've always used Katniss falling in the Hunger Games as a go-to tumble meme. Mm. After the first set, he had cleared it. I was like, that's it. I have a new one. It will always be. And then he kept falling. (laughs) <laughs> I will I will not mention Katniss again. I this is like with the again, 2012 I've been using my Katniss yeah. meme. It's that once again, I get that's a another full clean shot lo- of that Looney Tunes moment. It's the best and metaphorical uh for the movie yeah. and how far he's come. I just I love 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 it, dude. I have one for you besides your favorite set piece. Who's your favorite new character? Uh, I mean, look, I really want to say our guy Shamir Anderson, because I, I, the glow up Yo. from could go from this to Bruiser to this, pretty dope, bro. V- very happy for him. He needs that spinoff. And, and he was like clean. me, he love, and like me, he loves his dog. So like I can relate off the bat to Tracker. I get that. Yes, sir. But I also don't know how the answer to this is not Donnie Yen. <sighs> yeah, Donnie Yen. See if I can find him over here. Been a long time coming, dude. I don't know how. And they said it was just a matter of time with all of these actors. Donnie Yen just is the definition of cool. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't even need the 24 frames per frame. He's just chilling. He's just killing it. Uh, yeah. What a great story to intertwine with John Wick, too. Yeah, I. it's funny because, like, I don't know. The, he's able to embody his character so well because it's not just that he's fighting. He's playing a character who is unable to see so he's fighting as a blind person and like to to be able to communicate that about your character in your fighting style is absurd to me uh he's he's such a gifted martial artist that's one of the best things about these movies because you have the directors who come from stunt backgrounds you have a movie in where everybody who's coming in other action stars as well already know the language so there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's none of this like second unit Marvel stuff. They're ready yeah. to go. And th- I think that's why they deliver so much. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give you an audible over here as well. I'm going to go with the freaking villain of the story, bro. Ooh. He had no, he had no business being an anime villain in this. His suits, Bill his Scarsberg. dialogue, he was so menacing in this film. I thought 
he he might top my favorite villain in the John Wick universe. Ooh. I loved him. He was so wow. good. So, uh, other so, than him, you know, I'll rest in peace, Lance yeah, Reddick. I'll say one place where I think we maybe differ a little bit in our assessment of the films is I'm, I am prefer John Wick when it's not so lore forward. I I, th- I like it more being in the background. I I think the more that they emphasize those elements of it, and particularly, like, I don't love the ho- the whole, like, Oh, the entire city is now after John Wick stuff. I don't no, know. No, well, that's the best part. I love that part. It just I, see, that's why you didn't want the me, coin. That's why I want the coin so bad. Exactly. Yeah, I gotta cash that I, in. I find, I find a lot of it to be like not the kind of silly, like a little more stupid than silly. But really? I get that it like deepens the world and and stuff. It's oh. just I I kind of I like it to be a little more bare bones, like the dialogue. I feel what you're saying. I think that's what opens it to be as silly as possible. Because if not, you'd be yeah. wondering, how is everyone? They answer it for you. And it becomes <laughs> the best freaking playground for it. Are you looking forward to them expanding this with a John Wick 5? Do you care for the spinoff? I'm going to see if I can pull up the spinoff over here. Because I know they got someone uh, else working ballerina, on it. Ballerina, Ana de Armas. Pro. I think that's the Why the do people hate this director? Next? Yeah, why do they hate the director so much? <laughs> they have a <sighs> miniseries in the works. They have Ballerina, which is going to be a movie. Out of all of these, it is no longer the main team working on them. They are giving it to right. Len Wiseman for Ballerina, and it's going to have uh, Ana Armas as the lead. This is taking place in between three and four, so it's a prequel. I don't know right. where the Continental is going to be, but considering that it is a miniseries, I'm sure they'll be able to expand it however which way they want. I know you don't like expanding the world, but this will be expanding the world. Uh, between the two of them, are you looking forward to one more than the other? I mean, I guess I would maybe look forward a little more to to Ballerina, although the fact oh, that they don't wow. have Stahelski at the helm does worry me yeah. a bit. Uh, just to, to sp- speak a little bit more about like the people behind this, like David Leach gets a lot of credit for those first couple John Wick films, but I haven't really been a fan of the films that David Leach has sort of gone off and made. Like I, 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 I just don't. I'll defend the man. They're not yeah, better I than mean, Chad's. Chad's right. cooler than David. I'm not saying that like the. I'm not saying that they're terrible. I'm just saying they're not John Wick quality, which makes me think like, do we need Chad at the helm for ballerina to be John Wick quality? Can I argue that Chad has stayed with John Wick and done nothing else? Whereas at least this guy's taken different opportunities, has tried to create different worlds at least. John Wick was a sleeper. <laughs> yeah, but I think... But I think even the filmmaking, like the filmmaking in John Wick th- 3 and 4 is just leagues better than anything in Bullet Train. But you still have one as your number one. Yeah, I, I think so. And that so maybe come back a lot together. of it because the, the lore is more in the background there. But <laughs> um, I got why two do people at the hate Len Wiseman? Why do people hate Len Wiseman? What's he done? Oh, damn. Okay, I get it now. <laughs> I have nothing but people belittle him, and I'm barely opening his eye to be, got it, I answered my own question. Underworld, yeah. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay, I guess I'm looking forward to The Continental, coming soon to a miniseries site yeah. near you. John Wick, Chapter 4. Overall, I highly recommend it. Uh, if it's still playing in Dolby near theater near you, go watch it. They're pushing IMAX a lot. It, it doesn't go full screen. You need that Dolby audio mixing. Mm. 
Leave your house. Good Go watch know. it. It is fantastic. Watch all of them over yeah, on agree. Peacock as well. Wrapping up our final one. The Sundance winner of the year with a full theatrical release before it hits Amazon yes. Prime. And I would argue if it's playing yes. at a nice little art house near you, go out and watch A Thousand and One starring Tiana Taylor in what I would consider one of the best roles out of Sundance. And I'm hoping gets a campaign all the way towards the end of the year. Uh, you were talking about New York not being covered beautifully in movies. How does this not this cover it? it right? The best in movies, right? It covers <laughs> it the best. The performances are great. The costumes. And as we were talking about... All throughout Sundance, the score absolutely, it, it kills, bro. And it, and it works perfectly Shout out for the Gary story Gunn. as well. The movie's out in yeah. theaters right now. I give it two thumbs up. It was uh, at the top of our picks for our Sundance reviews, and it is at the top of the pick here, Zach. What would you recommend people, yeah. or where do you recommend people see this? Oh, I mean, I would definitely go out to the theater if you can. It's it's a beautiful film, and especially to, if you can hear that Gary Gunn score off those nice speakers, yes, all the sir. better, right? Uh, but I agree with you. I think Tiana Taylor is remarkable in this film and really pulls Kills together it. what is this very scrappy story of a mother trying to make a, a good life for her son uh, against tough circumstances. And I think that while that premise might sound familiar and while elements of this film might be familiar i think it's just told with such like a uh, authenticity and a an intellectual honesty that is really really strong and it also has this interesting uh wrinkle to it in that uh he, that inez in the beginning of the story kidnaps her son from foster care so there's also this sort of loomer, looming anvil waiting to drop that and adds adds this like layer of tragedy to it. I think it's just a very, uh, very real, a very like honest and, and smartly told story. That down to elements that we mentioned in our Sundance review, the fashion sense that brings you back to the mid '90s and early 2000s, the hairstyles and the baby curls that bring you back to the uh, early 2000s. It's just a movie that really feels lived in in a way that sometimes oftentimes dramas fail to reach that level uh, of realness i, I mm -hmm. think it's really great highly recommend from all of us and clearly once again tops our list for the best of march uh before we get into our picks for the week which i think we're kind of going to divide it into uh, a bunch of the tv series that we've been recommending yeah. Uh, Zach, give a big shout out to all of the intercuties who have been supporting us all throughout Let's Sundance, South by, and getting early stuff from all the festivals. Yeah, uh, before we talk about our picks for the week, we need to thank the intercutie patrons, those wonderful people supporting the show. They are Ewan, Ronette, Julieta, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Ashley, Brady, Marion, Michael, Mr. Kobayashi, Nick the Monty, LaShawn, Devesh, who are in the live stream. Shout out to y'all. Uh, Nick and Diana, our Academy level members, are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, May, Ricky, Joe, and Janicia. And of course, a big thanks to the producer level patrons, Udenvir, Sam, and Wiley, thanks again for all the support and a reminder that you too can become a member at patreon.com slash 
Intercut Pod, where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to Intercut episode, early access to Intercut episode outlines, access to private channels on the Intercut Discord to chat with us throughout the week, and an invitation to our monthly patron Google meetings, the last of which we did last week. Although it's a new month, we got to get a new one of those on the schedule for April, so not too late to... (laughs) <laughs> that too. Not too late to uh, chat with us if you want to donate as little as $1 a month and become an intercutie, an intercutter, whatever you want to call yourself. Uh, come join our team intercutter? over at Patreon. You're going to get us demonetized. I, I, <laughs> I just want people to be able to to choose their own identity. You know, I'm not going to assign anybody's identity for them. <laughs> don't be an intercutter. <laughs> don't, don't be the yeah. second half of that line right there. Um, but yeah, shout out to all of the inner cuties over on Patreon, all of those who are viewing on the on the live stream especially. Shout out to all of y'all. We appreciate you as well. You are just as important, always supporting the show in that fashion, allowing us to bring you Absolutely. all of the best from the festivals and every week. But Zach, we got some news that we're going to have to cover on another one. We're going to be talking succession into full spoilers, but what are your top five picks for the week? All right, I got to give a quick shout out to a couple different things, first of which is one that uh, is already maybe a month or so old, but it made me laugh so much. I got to give it at least one shout here on the podcast. Uh, I was showing y'all while we were at South by Southwest, the work of Rajat Suresh and Jeremy Levick, uh, a comedy pair who like to do some kind of absurd viral video comedy or, or, or just like interesting, interesting uh, experimental comedy videos they've already done a 12-hour podcast in the style of the joe rogan show (laughs) with tim heidecker (laughs) (laughs) uh they started a brand new youtube channel called the hollywood reporter excuse me the hollywood recorder recorder and uploaded their uh actors roundtable featuring the two of them as well as some other people you might recognize as bit players and justin thoreau um it is so so Wait. funny part of <laughs> part of the website. bit <laughs> it's nothing's clickable it's a jpeg bro it's a fake um, ad that, yeah it's so good it's, it's so, an image. so they're, they're doing a parody of those hollywood reporter roundtables but talking to people who like have a couple lines in shows and also Justin Thoreau discussing a, a completely fictional project about MLK's dresser. <laughs> it's um, if you're the type of person who watches the roundtable videos, as soon as they come out, you'll recognize a lot of the tropes that they're making fun of. A lot of the uh, cutaway montages and, and indulging uh, actors indulging their own work and stuff like that. It's just it plays off of a very a very familiar idea in a f- way that I've never seen done before. Also added hilariously, it's added. What adds to the depth of hilariousness is that Rajat is on Severance talking about his performance on Severance. He is like one line, <laughs> and then the it's... fact that Ben Stiller took it and added to the joke <laughs> continues to make the joke funnier and funnier because we're in this realm yeah. where people are making fake podcast clips they're not really recording the whole podcast you know there's an actual trend where they're trying to just make like a podcast segment go viral without yes. doing all of it this man created an entire website youtube channel and recorded <laughs> when you sent me the clip i thought it was funny but nothing's funnier than actually committing to the bit and making a 53 <laughs> minute podcast i've yet to it's sit with so the full good. thing 
But I feel like the funniest part is yet to be in and outed and turned into a short. And that's that's genius. So I, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. It it's there's so many good jokes in it. It maybe overstays its welcome a little bit, but I like it. That's the it's bit though. Easily Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly that's it. That's the bit. People don't get that. So yeah, yeah. if that's great. Well, I'll put a link to it in the description for for this episode. But you have, if you watch this podcast, we, you will be entertained like by this video. We personally get all of our uh, news from the Hollywood Recorder anyway. So <laughs> uh, uh, next, I also want to give a shout out. Yeah, been pretty high on my uh, list. One of my one of my favorite shows of all time. Back for a third season that just wrapped up. Party down already. Just as good. Yeah, it's only a six-episode run, uh, but there are oh, hopes, talks, Damn. maybe promises that I hope don't turn out to be false of a season four in the works. So as long as Stars is down, we might be get more adventures of the Party Down Catering Company. Uh, you know, it's, right. it's interesting to bring a show back because, like, it's never going to feel quite the same as it did. And I, I've been revisiting older Party Down uh, in because I'm just been in such a party down mood because of the revival and watching the show as it was when it's about people in their like twenties, maybe early thirties who are still dreaming of Hollywood success. And then fast forwarding to now when they're all mm. people in their forties, maybe seeing that dream fade and, and start to no longer look like a potential reality. It gives the show like a slightly different feel, but one that is still like completely in line with how the show always was. It's maybe a bit sadder and more desperate, but like it works for the comedy of these characters. And it also just has Adam Scott in what is my favorite role he's ever done. Cause he gets to play kind of like a wry asshole and I, I think he's just so much better being a little bit mean than being the nice guy. And then it's also got Ken Marino doing, like, the best slapstick comedy on television. He's so hilarious as just this guy who has – it all, always ends up in the worst possible scenario. Um I don't know. I just really love the show. I love the way they're able to rotate in guest stars because the premise allows them to go from party to party to party. And – just be, as a longtime fan of the show, the post credits on the last episode did actually bring a tear to my eye, and I really need season four to happen. I, I just need season four to happen. So, look, if you're enjoying Party Down, uh, the new season is not going to disappoint at all. I've got a couple episodes on Hulu, which I think is where season four definitely needs to head over. I think they'd have a much bigger audience to get that yeah. green light for season four, you said. Um, yeah. So if yeah. you don't have stars, because very little people have it, it, the first uh, two seasons are on there, so uh, watch it. I, I would say, from what I've seen, they, Cam Moreno kills it. <laughs> He's the best one. So far, yeah. so far. But I can't wait to uh, wrap up on that one and catch the new season when it's out. You also Definitely. had one of the biggest South by picks that's on the horizon. There's been a lot of screenings yes. for this, so keep an eye out for special screenings on this one. Yeah. I mean, Amazon is really trying to put their, their leg into this one. Air, the story of the iconic Air Jordan shoe directed by Ben Affleck with an all-star cast. I, I don't know if any movie released this year will have a cast deeper than this one with Matt Damon, Stay. Viola Davis, Chris Messina, uh, Jason Bateman, Chris of course, Affleck Tucker. himself. Uh, it's just an a all-star lineup Skarsgård, for sure. Of <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it's just a very satisfying movie, too. I think uh, it gets the whole, like, it, it understands 
things tonally that Tetris didn't, right? Because it's it's sort of yeah. absurd, but the yes. people involved know how crazy it is to be risking their lives and careers on a, a shoe tie-in for a rookie basketball player at a time when the NBA is still on tape delay. Like, it, there's so many interesting wrinkles to this, but I think they get sort of the the sort of procedure of it, right? Like, it's a procedure film in that you see all the machinations that go into uh, taking the idea from a concept to a reality, how how the legend gets birthed. And mm-hmm. I, I found it to be a really riveting watch, par- partially because every scene features at least one Oscar-caliber actor acting their ass off. True. On top of it, it's also the boys talking about how, how far they've made it as well. Yeah. So I love seeing that. Uh, they gave out these glasses at the South by premiere, and I think it was only for, like, they, they had, Not like, a limited amount. But yeah. dang, we should have hustled and tried to find one. Because you know someone's just throwing these away. Uh, but they're fantastic. They're fantastic overall. Yeah. LaShawn in the live stream is asking, how was Chris Tucker's performance? I thought he was solid in it. He was good. Uh, he was solid. He, he, yeah. He has m- more of a supporting role, but he's like a really nice contrast to Matt Damon's energy. Uh, I like mm-hmm. also seeing him in... It's not like a dramatic role, but it's not a purely comedic one either. I like seeing him as more of a real person, you know? Yeah. So, oh, air. Yeah. I would say go to the theaters, right, for this one? Absolutely go to the theaters. Next up, we're about to watch uh, it. Time's yeah, clicking I'm on this one. I'm about to go to the theater. Later tonight, I'm going to check out the Super Mario Bros. movie. You got your screening today, too. Uh, yes, sir. Look, I, w- I was really dreading this one because it comes Damn. from Illumination, which does not make my favorite stuff. Uh, everything, and then they announced the, a voice cast that had me very skeptical. Mm-hmm. Everything I've seen since then has kind of convinced me this movie might be might be fun. Not only might it be fun, I think it's going to be a gigantic hit. I feel like it's going to make over a hundred million dollars I mean, opening weekend. Probably the, the highest Mario. grossing movie that comes out this year. Yeah, it, yeah. Illumination doesn't waste money. It's got everything for the kids, and it's got the biggest property right when what is it? Disney. Whose Universal is barely opening their Super Mario World? Yeah, Universal, exactly. Massive, bro. And look who they got. Massive. Eric Bowser in a movie where he could be voicing Bowser. <laughs> so you know, you never know. It's a hit all the way around. I'm excited yeah. for it the most, uh, mainly because I've heard that it's been able to deliver in between um, the Easter eggs and a lot of homages to the OG one, which we just caught up. Uh, the Lizzie oh, one. That movie's so bad. It's kind of decent. So, yeah, it's kind of uh, fun, actually. I love how that was Super Mario Bros. And they're like, the Super Mario nah, Bros. Yeah. They just keep adding, right? It's like the Suicide <laughs> it's Squad. It's like the bit, Suicide but... Squad. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, I'm just as excited as you. Yeah, um, and then I'll, I'll guess I can give a quick shout out. Oh, I do want to give a shout out to How to Blow Up a Pipeline. It's coming out in limited release this Friday and then expands next Friday but it's I'm just going to be a very annoying person when it comes to this movie because it's one of the most electric, riveting movies I've seen in a, quite some time. Uh, I love the movie, but even more than loving the movie, I love what this movie is like about and stands for in a, in the in the film landscape. There are there needs to be more exciting, riveting entertainment with a strong political agenda behind it and one that I agree with. And I'm not, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to go like weirdo on this movie. I think this movie is really cool and really compelling. 
Alright, and it's out limited almost, right? Uh, limited on Friday and then expanding on next Friday, the April 14th. I'm curious to see like how many theaters this movie will even play in because it's already starting to get the like, this is a, this is a Joe Biden psyop <laughs> thing from Twitter accounts. So, Interesting. Uh, I will definitely comment on the cast. All of this, all of the people in here are going to be stars if they're not already stars in the future, yes. bro. They, fantastic. Shout out Lucas Gage. It's going to be one of those <gasps> like short-term 12 kind of casts in the future. Um, yeah. We are obligated to mention Ted Lasso Season 3 is out on Apple TV+, Plus, <laughs> so people don't yell at us. Zach has seen an episode. Great. It's fine. Uh, my top... <laughs> I'll let you got something to say about now. Ted Lasso, bro. <laughs> I, d- I have a little bit to say. It's a half-hour sitcom, and every episode is longer than 45 minutes now. Boo. Hey, that's some Emmy finagling, huh? Yeah. That's some Emmy finagling. They do it by time. I think I think the worst thing to happen to this show was that they Eek. were told that it's an important show about depression. I think it's the worst Ew. thing to happen to Ted Lasso. Dang. I mean, yeah, they've been bleeding over the 40-minute mark for a minute already. Sheesh. Mm-hmm. Dear. Do you think it's going to be the last one? Everyone keeps surprising people with, uh, surprise, it's the last episode. <laughs> it's the last season. <laughs> You think they're going to get hit I, with I it? think they're going to stick around for a little bit longer. Uh, it, they they were talking about they were talking about how it was a three season pickup a lot more before it became a huge huge hit that made them a lot of money. And the way that Apple's like including it in marketing, like they they got the uh, M- rights to MLS that we've talked about, and now they're right. having MLS players mention Ted Lasso in promos. Like it's it, it's too big of a well, of a cross promotional platform for them. What if it's full circle? The show dies. He goes back to commercials. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Where it all begin. All right. Uh, to wrap it up, my top five really quickly here. There was a new comedy special, May Martin, called Sap. This yeah. is actually directed by Abby Jacobson, which is the reason why this oh. was on our radar. Uh, I think Abby Jacobson is the funniest out of the duo uh, from, mm-hmm. uh, why am I blanking on it, bro? Broad City. Uh, probably yes. all of my quotables come from her. So to see that she was directing a stand-up, I tuned in. Uh, May has a lot of really good bits in this. It's also a very awkward one. So it's a recommendation where they do a really good job. And I, I in like five years, in a couple more, bro, they're going to make a stand-up that's going to hit. In the meantime, I like seeing a lot of the bits. There's a lot of awkward moments that they have within the special. Uh, a lot of really funny stories. Um I don't think it's going to hit for everybody, but I like the direction that Abby had for this. I like the production design. And like I said, uh, there's some delivery on some lines that are so dry that it, in, in a couple years, two more stand-up specials, it, it, probably going to have one of my favorite uh, for awesome. the year. But May Martin Sapp out on Netflix. Uh, Swarm is probably my pick of the week. Yes. For sure. This was a South by uh, series that premiered. On Prime, so we were able to see it early. We were able to go get Swarm Bucks. We got a Swarm cap. There was yeah. a lot of Swarm merch because when it's a new Donald Glover project, they're rolling out the, the, the red carpet for him at South By. The closing night film was the premiere to his TV show Atlanta last year. And mm. yeah, Swarm was no different. There's been some people who are kind of mixed on it. I'm going to tell you all. I'm going to go all in with this. Swarm is the American psycho of this generation. I don't want to hear it, bro. She kills it. Dominique Fishback, performance of the year right now when it comes to a miniseries. Do not sleep on this show. Don't. Don't do it. This is fantastic in every way. Found out they shot on film. He said it cost a pretty penny. 
Mm-hmm. Boy, it's worth it, dude. The performances, all of it, the the cameos, which we've been saying are like guest appearances. Episode four. It delivers on on, on every aspect. I'm rewatching it now because what we were given were 720p images. No, 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 no. This is streaming on 4K on Prime. Do yourself a favor and binge this. Watch it one a night. It's 18 plus for a reason. Be warned. But damn, bro. Yo, you know what I saw? People were going back. They were like, have you seen uh, Judas and the Black Messiah? She's actually really good. We're doing the reverse engineering now, Zach. We're going back and changing the ratings on previous performances. And you know what? Fine. I'll take it. She's that great in this series. Um, Yeah. I love it, bro. It's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's such a compelling show. I mean, to, to sort of like take the whole Stan idea and update it for the the beehive age. It's it's just a brilliant, brilliant premise. But also then, like you like you're saying, make it this kind of like American psycho esque drama, this sort of like mental, mental, uh, psychological sort of it's thriller. It's so raw. Yeah, it's so I, good. It's. It's also like a show that will, like Atlanta at times, take long stretches where they're not trying to make you laugh and then hit you with the funniest punchline you've heard in days. Um, and also the way they tell six, the story. Yes. Episode six. That was, that's what I, I was, going I was for. saying this to you in South by. It's the most Atlanta thing that's been made since Atlanta, and then it ends. It's written and directed by Stephen Glover. Made a lot of sense. What if I told you that he's got a little red carpet bit? Where he says <laughs> that it was one of the best things that he shot within the universe of Atlanta. And you could take that however you want. It's so good. I find it fascinating. The Gloververse, Atlantaverse, whatever it is, I'm all in. Um, fantastic. Especially with that finale performance. I, I, I don't see her not getting a nomination. And if she doesn't, nah. <laughs> it's Come on. We, be serious. Uh, one of the best yeah. performances of the year. Everyone's great on it. Shot beautifully. Give it a watch over on Amazon Prime. Um, this one's obvious. Uh, Succession. It's good. It's on HBO. Great. We'll be talking about that more. Yellow Jackets. Yeah. It is out on Showtime, and they are doing the thing that they're meant to be doing. Episode one for the new season was decent. It was good. Mm-hmm. They're literally cooking in, se- in episode two. I am loving it. Watch Yellow Jackets if you can. I wish we had all of these early, but um, it's streaming in 4K over on Showtime. It's the only thing keeping Showtime alive. <laughs> so uh, support them. Or maybe go watch it on Paramount+. Plus. But Yellow Jackets is one of the best shows out there. Um, and it's got a fantastic cast. It is filling my lost little itch for uh, the season. And yeah, uh, recommend to catch up on it if you haven't. My final one over here would be Rap Caviar Presents. I don't know if you heard about this, but they sent us I these have. Uh, early... Look kind of interesting. It's it's ironic because Rap Caviar has been accused of being a playlist by Spotify that can plant artists because they can decide through its algorithms who is going to get the big boost. You know, we left radio mm-hmm. to do streaming and technically these studios, these labels are kind of controlling it just like they did radio. They ain't skipping the allegations now that Rap Caviar is the cleanest, smoothest, biggest release that they've got over on Hulu covering some of the biggest rap artists. But damn, do they have money for it. And it looks fantastic, bro. It is edited beautifully. And the first episode co- covers Tyler, the creator. And I yes. loved it. I thought it was a great breakdown on the man. Amazing. Um, it, it does a really good job of just encompassing his career, uh, you know, uh, obviously as fast as it can in a quick little episode. I'm excited to finish all the rest of the, the series. I think for a novice, it's fantastic. And for someone who doesn't know any of these artists, it's 
just as great. So uh, if you wanted a, a nice little docu-series dealing with music, specifically with hip-hop, Rap Caviar Presents, I highly recommend. Over on Showtime, I recommend Yellow nice. Jackets. It's not for the faint of heart, but it is so good. Succession. I know it's a lot of talking, but you got four seasons of talking to catch up with because it's the final season and it is worth it. Where If I'm it's watching it weekly, you know TV. it's good. Exactly. Swarm over on Amazon Prime. Also not for the faint of heart, but it's going to be one of the best by the end of the year. And then May Who's Martin your Sapp over on Netflix uh, as a comedy. Zach, you had maybe Ted Lasso. What else? Eh, maybe. Maybe Ted Lasso, <laughs> but I definitely had a few others. I had uh, How to Blow Up a Pipeline, which is going to be in limited release this weekend. The Super Mario Bros. movie, which is going to be in very wide release this weekend. Uh, I had Air, the story of the iconic Nike sneakers, again, in wide release this weekend. Party Down, season three. It's wrapped up. It's all available on Stars. Hopefully it makes its way to Hulu at some point. But, may, you know, maybe you got a seven-day Stars free trial that you haven't redeemed yet. <laughs> maybe you can open up a new email. I don't know, man. Uh, and right, then of is course, that good? It's a good recommendation. Yeah. And, of course... The, the number one source for uh, hearing from the actors you care about, the Hollywood Recorder Roundtable. Of course. Beautiful. Other than that, you can catch every episode of the weekend, must watch, monthly watch, all of the recommendations that we have here on Intercut. Be sure to uh, give Intercut Podcast a listen over on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. You can catch all the live videos here on YouTube.com. A shout out to the chat. Always able to have that dynamicness over there that you can't get in a post one but we also appreciate the comments down below in the comment section a big shout out to all the intercuties who listen live all the patrons all the itunes listeners who leave us a five star review it helps us with getting screeners to get y'all early reviews to tell you what you should or should not waste your money on where you should leave the theater whether you should stay at home uh, other than that don't forget to leave us a comment drop a like follow all the socials over on intercut pod and until next time keep watching movies and we'll send you your favorite artist tickets